Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy Podcast, episode three. This is your host, Jada Petro, along with Serge Derby. What's going on, Serge? What's happening? Not too much, man. Uh, today is actually going to be an interesting episode in that it's episode one of our mini-series on how to start a podcast. So this is week one of our podcasting journey, uh, and Serge and I wanted to quickly stop, reflect, and talk a little bit about what it's been like um, over the last week or two as we started ideating on this podcast and actually started executing on it. So today we're going to talk about the progress we've made, some of our key learnings, key fails that fed those learnings, what's next, and why we feel it's important to continue. Uh, so without further ado, Serge, why don't you kick it off with uh, telling us a little bit about some of the progress we've made and uh, how you're feeling about this whole thing. It's been a journey, but I'm super excited. I kind of came out of nowhere a little bit and I'm just so thrilled that we're doing this and that it's happening and that it's coming out great. Um, we've honestly, it's been literally, like you said, probably two weeks since we had the idea and we've maybe like actually put in four or five days into this so far. Um, and we got the website up, we learned Webflow and like saw all the power and it was pretty amazing with what we could do there. Um, we got all the equipment, the roadcaster, the sure SM seven B's all set up. Yeah. Um, we're learning logic, um, and Adobe premiere and it's just, uh, it's great. No, totally. I mean, it's, it's crazy how fast this thing has evolved and, um, you know, the origins really surge called me probably two weeks ago because he started recording some internal videos, um, for his team at Stella and he wanted better audio quality. So he's like, I bought this awesome microphone. It's like, I think one of the best microphones for audio. Um, I'm getting this other interface. I think I could also use it for podcasting. And so, like he said, it kind of was like on a whim. Uh, this was not something we've been thinking about doing. I mean, I've always wanted to do a podcast, but this is not like this podcast has not been something we've been thinking about doing for years. Uh, it literally was like 10 days ago. Hey, I've got the equipment. We're going to be in the same town. You want to do this? Um, and it's amazing how fast this thing has kind of gone from a seed of an idea to us sitting here facing each other uh, during COVID-19 with two cameras set up in this crazy, almost studio-ish environment we're in. Yeah, literally. I think what's what's been so great is that we just kind of have these conversations naturally. And we've been having these conversations for our the entirety of our friendship, which yeah. is like over 12 or 13 years yeah. at this point, crazy. I think, something like yeah. that. Um, and now we're just kind of putting some mics between us, um, uh, and recording it. So, um, yeah. it's just been great to kind of get that, uh, time with you and kind of doing this actually, um, in a more formal setting than yeah. compared to just normally just kicking back and relaxing and talking about stuff. No, totally. And I mean, being on episode three now, I think we've kind of been blown away and, um, not to like pat ourselves on the back cause we have a long way to go, but I think we've kind of been blown away just not how easy it is, but how much progress we've been able to make and how we can actually create something that actually feels a bit like a podcast um, with little effort. Because like you said, like, it's not like we haven't put any time into this, but we're only on day five or six now. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's 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 been really uh, surprising, I think, how uh, natural it's been, right? Where it's just been kind of really easy to kind of free flow and have these discussions. Um, and honestly with the roadcaster too, it's been just so easy to kind of uh, actually do the production, um, yeah. and actually you know, just a turnkey solution to podcasting. 
um, which is pretty uh, remarkable. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. So let's talk a little bit about then the hardware setup that we have here, um, as well as software that's kind of running the quote unquote studio that we have. Um, so you just mentioned the roadcaster. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the roadcaster is, how that works, uh, and how it kind of plugs into the overall environment of our little studio. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the ultimate audio interface, right? So, um, in order to get the microphone to actually pump audio into a computer to record, you need some sort of audio interface and they range from $20 to thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is just a really great, uh, like out of the box solution with everything you could possibly need to kind of run a full podcast with up to four, um, participants, right? So, um, you get four mic inputs, you get a computer input, you get a, a hardwired phone. You can also connect Bluetooth. So you could uh, really easily get those Bluetooth phone calls pumping in if you are trying to get a guest on the show. Um, and then they also have these like D-pads with effects that you can program on them with little sound effects. Um, that's how we kind of do our intro music is we end up playing it from the D-pad. Um, and you can pretty much just build everything you could possibly need um, you could record right onto the device. It has a touch screen which shows you all your levels. It's really easy to kind of um, intuitively set gain and so forth. Um, you can set uh, things about uh, a specific voice. So you can get like tone. Is it deep, medium, or high pitch? And how strength, uh, what's like the strength of the voice? Is it soft, medium, or strong? And you can really custom tailor uh, the sound quality in a really intuitive and easy way. Yeah. I mean, this thing is absolutely amazing, and we'll link some photos of it, um, and actually all of this equipment we talk about in the show notes, but I'm looking at the backside of it right now. The Roadcaster is facing Surge, and um, you know, there's four inputs for XLR mics, as he was saying. There's four uh, headphone jacks, so you can actually be monitoring those, a micro SD slot, so you can record directly to it, a USB-C cable, so the latest and greatest cable. Uh, to connect all of your I.O., your computer, our MacBook in this case, um, and power. And, I mean, this thing is just amazing. And I think also one of the things that's really impressive to me about it is it's big enough and robust enough that you can put it on a desk and feel like you're in a studio. But when I looked at this, I go, damn, that thing's going to be really heavy. It's incredibly light. And so you can actually just pack it up, put it in a nice little case, uh, and take it on the road with you and essentially use this as a a portable audio interface as well. Um, So it's a super impressive little piece of machinery. Um, A little bit about why it's needed, uh, especially if you're like very new to podcasting. Microphones come in different shapes and forms. Uh, You could just get a microphone that plugs into your computer, whether it's USB 3.0, USB-C, etc. The thing is, you're going to get a huge drop off in quality. It depends, and it's totally up to you whether or not you think that that drop in quality is negligible. Um, There is a certain kind of diminishing return after you start spending um, X dollars on a microphone, and um, maybe later later on we'll do an episode about like deeper on microphones and kind of the differences between them. Uh, We won't get into that here, but long story short, XLR microphones are better. And to have an XLR microphone recording to software on your computer you need to have some kind of interface in between that microphone and the actual computer. And these these interfaces come in very simple forms. Um, you know, there's $50, $60 interfaces. 
And there's more robust interfaces like what Search just described in the Roadcaster. Um, so you have options, especially if you're just starting a podcast. There's much more affordable options. This is probably the best example of um, a more professional setup and a setup that you could really grow into over time, but obviously comes with an investment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the Roadcaster, what's so great about it too is we have Shure SM7Bs, which are notoriously low decibel um, microphones. So you really need to be able to crank up the gain and have a powerful enough preamp um, to be able to support that mic. And what a lot of people end up kind of resorting to doing is buying a $150 cloud lifter to crank up the decibels by 20 points. And what kind of the Roadcaster allows you to do is kind of avoid that altogether because the preamp is so powerful on its own that you can um, really just drive everything through the Roadcaster. Yeah, and I think another thing that, that makes the Roadcaster so amazing and is makes podcasting so simple is how easy it is to route in a phone call through the Bluetooth functionality. Um, so you can literally just pair your phone to this particular device like any other device you've ever paired to your phone. You hit a button, it says start pairing, you go into your Bluetooth options, Select pair, boom, done. Within two seconds, you're now connected. Now, what does that allow you to do? It literally allows you to just make a phone call like you would normally make a phone call. So I could call Surge right now. Um, and you'll hear this in some of our other episodes where we're going to be doing interviews uh, that take advantage of this functionality. I could literally call Surge right now and without doing anything else, as long as I select speaker and the roadcaster as my audio input, I'm going to hear that phone call right through my studio headphones. And that other person is going to be hearing me through my microphone. So it's doing all of that translation of the audio for you. And at the same time, you're also able to record that Bluetooth channel, that phone, right into our software. In this case, Logic Pro. It makes it so simple and it's so amazing. And I think so many podcasters, you know, interviews are crucial. And they're always thinking, oh, but how am I actually going to figure out how to get the audio from that particular call into the, and people use Zoom, people use all sorts of other kind of uh, hobbled together solutions. But this, without doing any hacking, allows you to have full control over the audio and do it in a simple, simple manner. Yeah, what happens with a lot of other audio interfaces too is when you're on, when you do try to pipe in a phone call, um, a lot of the times the person on the other end of the phone call uh, has a lot of echo and hears themselves. Yep. Um, and what this does is it actually sends out a clean feed back to the Bluetooth device. Um, without the uh, caller's voice uh, echoing. Yeah, it just helps make that, that conversation that much more natural. Um, all right, so that's our, that's our audio interface. Um, let's talk a little bit about these microphones and the setups that we have on them. Yeah, the notorious SM7Bs, <laughs> uh, the share mics. Um, these things are uh, the ultimate podcast mics. These are the mics that Joe Rogan uses. Um, the, they've been around since literally like the 70s, I believe. Um, Thriller was, uh, parts of Thriller were actually, um, filmed, uh, using the Shure SM7B, um, during the music video. So, uh, just powerhouse long lasting mics. Totally. Um, so that's about the extent of my knowledge, at least on these microphones right now. Uh, I bought podcasting microphones a year ago and unfortunately they've primarily sat in a shelf in my office, um, and haven't gotten used, but I did record an episode back then. And I can tell you um, the experience using this microphone is night and day. Um, the quality is just 
out of this world. The um, the pop, like the usually if you'd say pop right now, you'd hear a lot of right. feedback in the mic. Um, the ability for this thing to totally filter all of that out is just incredible, and it makes your voice sound ten times better. I still think I sound horrible on the mic, but trust me, if you heard me in real life. Oh my God, my voice sounds so much worse than this. So <laughs> uh, these microphones are uh, really incredible and we will definitely do a deep dive later kind of on the actual technical stuff after we've had a chance to research them. Um, the only kind of buzzword I can even throw out right now is dynamic coil cardioid uh, microphone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know what that means and that's that's not fair yet to go into. Yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, so your... Your mic is suspended in a slightly different way than mine, Surge. It's sitting on an arm. Tell us a little bit about that arm there. Yeah, it's the Rode PSA-1. Um, it's pretty much the classic, again, podcaster's uh, boom arm. Um, you'll see this on every major podcast, most likely. Um, and what's great is it just really gives you a ton of freedom to kind of move it around. And then, like Jay said earlier, it also uh, reduces some of the vibrations um, and kind of gives you a little bit of a clearer sound as well. Awesome. Yeah, and my mic is um, same mic, slightly different format. Mine is sitting on an Array TT62220 um, mic stand. It's just a, a small little desk stand. I actually really love this, though, because it is super heavy. Um, it has a really robust feeling to it, um, and it articulates. You know, you can, you can twist the mic around, so I'm spinning it right now, uh, and then it goes up and down to kind of match whatever height you're at. Um, so it's a very simple kind of stand mic, but, um, a great stand and I highly recommend it. And I think it was only like 30 bucks or so. So, um, highly affordable at B and H. Yeah. And the one thing too, with the, um, with the Rode PSA one mic, um, and the Shure SM7B. So the Shure SM7B actually kind of has a little bit of an annoying mic connector. Um, a lot of mics kind of have connectors that are just directly into the back of it. Um, this one's actually on the top and what that ends up happening is um, when you try to get like that 360 degree rotation, the XLR cable actually starts butting up against um, the arm. And what they sell is a little extension piece. Um, I don't have it yet, but I have it uh, waiting for me actually back home. Um, and it's like a little three inch extension that will drop the mic and then you'll get that free range to go 360 degrees around. And it's like a $7 little extension piece, um, but recommend that for a little pro tip. Oh, sweet. That's that's an awesome little pro tip. Um, okay, moving on. We've got cameras. I don't think we're going to talk about that since they're really not necessary for podcasting. No, yeah. And those were just really, we had DSLR cameras from before that we just set up, decided to set up and use. But um, Okay, so we have XLR cables, obviously, that uh, route between the microphones and the actual uh, audio interface. Um, we're using USB-C in this case to connect the Rodecaster to a MacBook Pro, which is running Logic Pro X as the actual audio software. So, Serge, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Logic Pro X setup we have here and what you actually had to do to get the Rodecaster um, set up in there? Yeah, so we'll add a link to the show notes again um, that has a really good mock-up or like walk-through. Um, we'll uh, link in the show notes, actually, a really good walkthrough um, that Rode did exactly how to connect the Rodecaster, get it set up for multi-track recording. Um, but it's pretty easy. Um, you just kind of need nine tracks. You got to need you kind of need to go through and set some up as stereo and some as mono. 
uh, inputs and get each one um, correctly hooked up. And then once you do that, you can actually save it as a Logic Pro um, template. And then it's really easy to kind of just create new from a template once the roadcaster is plugged in and selected as the multi-channel, uh, not stereo. And it all gets hooked up and you just start recording and get on its way. Yeah, I mean, Serge did this. I was, I was here as he was setting it all up. And uh, I think it took him about probably 30 minutes to kind of totally master um, all the different tracks and kind of all of that. And uh, Serge, you templated this, right? So it can be used in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, coming from like literally no experience with Logic Pro um, at all, it's just some Final Cut experience, which um, I guess helped a little bit with like editing components. But um, as far as like mastery of any type of audio, uh, had nothing going into it and was pretty uh, surprised how easy it was, especially with that walkthrough that Rode does that we'll put in the show notes. Um, and then once you kind of do get that first setup all completed, um, you can go to File, Save as Template. Um, save it and then really easily um, when you kind of uh, select a new one you can select new from template um, and it'll just populate it all and you never need to name the nine different tracks again or <laughs> connect them to the specific inputs again yeah huge time saver um, you can just kind of dial everything exactly as you want it and then every time you're ready to podcast next you pull this template back up you do some tests make sure that all your levels are right and you're ready to go um, all right, so I think that's pretty much all of our audio setup, right? Yeah, I think the only other thing that maybe I would add is that um, you can also save audio effects. Um, so if you were to set up audio effects across the different channels, um, you could save those in the template as well. So you didn't every time you pop it up, it has it all already um, mixing and kind of adding that post-processing. The Roadcaster does have a lot of actually audio processing built in that it's doing automatically. Um, and then just to kind of give you a rundown of the tracks, um, it also does a full mix um, where it's recording what you kind of are uh, actually determining from the roadcaster. And then it also records all of the separate uh, tracks and inputs uh, separately at full volume. And then you can kind of um, manipulate those fully in post uh, in post production um, to affect how the kind of effects come in, come out, the audio rise and fall of like our intros and all of that. All of that can then be manipulated um, in post. Yeah, and that's a great point too, the audio effects. Um, we did use a third party to get our audio intro. Yep. Um, so we use storyblocks.com. Highly recommend them. You can go get a plan, go on, log on, search a bunch of different kind of audio effects. So they have sound effects, loops, different collections. You can get a whole theme out of them, different types of sound effects, um, whether there's a certain drum you like, etc. And then music. So that's what we did. We ended up picking uh, a, a piece of music we haven't really heard anywhere else. Um, you know, you get a license uh, in perpetuity for that particular soundtrack uh, that you can go ahead and use on a podcast, uh, in uh, any movies or videos that you're making, etc. So highly recommend Storyblocks. Uh, couldn't be simpler to kind of go in there and just get the audio that you need. Yep. And then it's really easy with the uh, Roadcaster software um, on the computer to then load those up um, into the eight different D-pads that you can have. And um, they even have multiple banks. So if you wanted to have different groups, um, if there's maybe multiple people that are kind of using this Roadcaster, you could have your bank set up with your effects and someone else has a different bank. Um, and it's all saved right onto the Roadcaster. And you come in and you just select which bank you want. Um, and all your effects are right there for you. Yeah, awesome. 
All right, so I think that's most of our audio set up. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about our website. Yeah. That came together really fast. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, coming from two people that are non-technical um, mm-hmm. in any way, have kind of played around with many website builders in the past. Um, you know, I've pretty much, as a somewhat designer, can um, really do, like, prototypes well. And so I built my personal website more or less as a prototype where I just loaded tons of images in. Um, and created hot click areas. Um, and it was just, it's a terrible site. I got to completely <laughs> redo it. And I've been seeing all of these ads for Webflow. Um, and so when we were kind of discussing doing this and getting a website up and running, I was like, oh, we got to try Webflow. Yeah. Um, and it's just been a remarkable experience. I think you've kind of had a little bit more experience with it. So tell us a little more about uh, where you've kind of been most impressed. Yeah, I mean, it, Webflow is absolutely incredible. And, and for background, uh, I'm a fan of two web builders, really, uh, Squarespace and WordPress. Every single corporate website we've ever done uh, at my actual full-time job uh, is in WordPress. The extensibility of WordPress is incredible when you have real professional developers using WordPress. I mean, it's amazing what you can do there. So I'm a huge fan of WordPress. That said, like you said, Serge, I'm not a developer. I run into roadblocks all the time when I try to use WordPress for personal use. And I always feel like I'm hacking something together because I can never get it exactly as I want. So I've always turned to Squarespace because Squarespace takes all of that kind of complexity and kind of makes it super simple. And they force you into templates that make sure that you're going to end up with a website that at the very least looks great. The content might be awful. You might have done some weird things to the colors, but the template itself is always going to look great. And I like that kind of simplicity that you get with Squarespace. Anyone can use Squarespace. Get on there and go. I don't like Wix. I've tried Wix before. I actually think it's amazing for design. But you don't end up with responsive components at the end of the day because it's too yeah. um, it's too much of a what-you-see-is-what-you-get editor, a WYSIWYG editor. Um, so I think a lot of people are drawn to the kind of limitless design options not realizing what the technical implementations are and what the experiential implementations are when you actually try to load that site on another builder. Webflow is incredible because it kind of just takes the blocks of building a site and just gives you those. So you're not going to get a header out of the box. I mean, there are templates you can buy, but uh, if you're starting with a blank page, you're not going to get a header out of the box. You're not going to get a footer out of the box. You're not going to get body content out of the box. You have to build all of these components for yourself. Now, that's a little bit intimidating, but what it gives you is total and utter freedom. And there's never been a place, and this is what I'm most impressed about, not once been a place where I've thought, I want to do this and not been able to do it. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work. Sometimes I have to go query a quick blog post that Webflow's done to figure out how to do it, but it's never not been possible. And I think that is freeing when you're building a website, knowing anything I can ideate, I can end up creating. Um, And so I've loved, I've done most of the development to date, and I've absolutely loved building in it. Uh, That said, Serge has done all of the design. So Serge, why don't you tell (laughs) us a little bit about how the designs come together, um, how you kind of thought about the early concept, uh, and then on the tactical and technical side, how are you actually designing this thing? Uh, because this process I've been so impressed with uh, between kind of getting design files and then it going into production and uh, getting staged and built on our server. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you approach that. Yeah, definitely. So with Webflow, I think like 
the, like you've mentioned with these other um, website web builders, you really kind of start with a template and you really kind of need to like work off of that. What's amazing about Webflow is it really gives you this blank canvas to do what you want um, and the possibilities are really endless. Um, and it also really teaches you um, how to properly design and also how to properly like uh, think about web building, right? Even if you aren't a developer, it really teaches you a lot of the building blocks um, in a very like user interface um, intuitive way, uh, like graphical user interface way. Um, so as far as design, I'm a, I used to be a big sketch guy. I started on Photoshop um, very early and then was only on it probably for like maybe six months, made the switch to sketch, loved sketch, um, was on sketch for um, over five years probably and then made the switch to Figma this fall, um, or really, I guess, actually this winter. Um, and so have been loving all of the possibilities in Figma. I was a big Envision fan as well. Um, and Figma kind of really just combined a lot of the best of Sketch um, and a lot of the best of Figma or of um, Envision into it. And uh, the killer feature, I think, is like is the collaboration, right? It's that Google Drive for design. Um, or the Google Docs, right? Where you can kind of see all of the other mouses. You can really work on a design together and collaboratively. Um, so that's been amazing. As far as the concept for alchemy and kind of the can design. We, can we back up on those tools real quick? Yeah. Um, so for those who aren't really familiar with maybe the way these tools typically interact, but know of them in general, like I, I fall into that bucket. I've always used Sketch as kind of a simpler Photoshop. Like when I'm trying to throw together a really quick... Uh, design that includes shapes um, and I just need to get like a quick PNG or something. So that's kind of how I've always viewed um, Sketch. I've always viewed Photoshop as like a photo editor um, and kind of like Sketch you could do some basic shapes and building some things out if you wanted to. Um, same thing with Adobe Illustrator. Um, and then Figma I've kind of I don't really know what it is. As you said, it sounds like it's a, a kind of amalgamation of these things. And then a vision I've always used as kind of that prototyping tool. So you have a design, you load in the design, and now you can start to experience how a story is going to come together or how a particular user experience flow is going to be. Um, but can you just tell us a little bit about what Figma really is, kind of what are some of the key differences are? Yeah, definitely. And I think we're planning a full episode talking about like the switch from Sketch to Figma mm -hmm. um, and kind of all the catalyst behind that and a lot of the benefits. But just really quickly at a high level, um, I mean, really just think about Sketch. So Photoshop was kind of what designers originally used. It's a very bloated app. It's really meant yeah. for photo editing. It was never meant for um, UI design, but that was what kind mm -hmm. of UI designers were using a lot. And then Sketch came along and was like, let's strip out Photoshop and all the useless features for UI design and that are really meant for photo editing. And let's create just like a really great UI um, mm -hmm. design tool and um, kind of won this huge market share really quickly. Um, Adobe tried to catch up with Adobe XD, which was a very similar um, concept to Sketch, which mm -hmm. was kind of like a more UI design based program. And then... Um, Figma has been around for a while. I mean, I remember watching sandwich videos, which is just, if you guys aren't familiar, a really, really great, um, startup video. Like a lot of the startup videos that you kind of remember from 2012, a lot of the yep. hardest startups, um, like square, they did the original square video. Yep. Um, and 
they actually did a video for Figma and I remember even watching it all the way back then oh, and not really funny. thinking that much of it. And it was really their big thing was we're a web-based version of Sketch, right? Yeah. So um, instead of having to download Sketch natively onto your computer, we're just a web app um, and Sketch is Mac only. So because it's a Figma is a web app, it actually works on Windows as well, which is a big game changer for that. Um, and think of it very similar to like a Microsoft Word to a Google Doc, right? What was the killer feature of Google Docs over Microsoft Word? It was the ability that because it's a web-based application, you can now really collaborate, right? And multiple people can work on that same Google Doc and really add that value. Yep. Um, and Figma kind of just does that same thing um, in a lot of ways. And then on the prototyping side, um, they just, Sketch actually tried to um, build a lot of prototyping in, but it was never really that well done or intuitive. And uh, Figma's just done a really remarkable job, especially with their smart animations. Um, and kind of, uh, if you're looking to just get something that looks really good in a really like easy way, once you kind of start to use it, uh, Figma's the way to go. Uh, Envision is releasing a product called Envision Studio, which is mm -hmm. gonna be uh, their version of a UI design tool. And that one's really heavy focused on like, manipulating every little animation and really yeah. fully customizing how transitions work. But if you don't need that level of high fidelity, and I think that's like a very late in the design process, almost component yep. that comes in once you, but like a lot of the iteration and like initial ideation, um, I think is really great in Figma. And then if you're looking for just like simple, but really cool animations, um, the smart animate function is, uh, it's, I've been pretty like really, really impressed. Um, with some of the stuff it's been able to pull off with really little effort. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And as you said, we'll, we'll definitely cover this much deeper in another episode that we have planned. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So I cut you off the design itself, the design itself. Yeah. So, um, alchemy, uh, kind of came about where, um, it's this, I kind of heard it in another podcast, um, being mentioned and a uh, big fan of the alchemist's brewery. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Shout out the alchemist. Yeah, exactly. Unreal beers. Heady topper. Yeah, exactly. I'm a big, uh, new England, juicy, hazy IPA guy myself and, uh, kind of never really thought much of the, the word and didn't really know the definition and then, um, looked it up and it's, one of the definitions is like a seemingly magical process of combining things to form something new. And I thought that that was just so perfect um, as we were kind of initially thinking, okay, we want to launch a podcast. We were like, what is our podcast going to be about? And I was like, well, really our like just natural conversations all the time are just about all of these yeah. amazing things and they're all random, but they combine um, to form like really great thoughts um, and cool things. And it's like the perfect name for us, I think. And I, I love this because when Serge first called me two weeks ago, I was hammering him to like really nail and was like, we're not going to have a successful podcast unless we nail what our niche is, unless we nail what our theme is, unless we nail what, how our episodes are going to ladder up to that theme. Um, and he was like, no, dude, like we're just going to talk about all the things we've always talked about yep. and wrapped it in, in this distilled down theme of alchemy, which is we've always loved all of these different things. Uh, and they all come together to form this thing that's greater than um, the sum of the parts. Yep. Um, and so I absolutely fell in love with that idea the second that he mentioned it. Like, it's just alchemy. Yeah. Um, and so we ran with it. Yeah, yeah, quickly. exactly. And then um, I kind of had this idea for uh, just a simple logo that was kind of like three different shapes uh, layered over each other. Um and it just kind of represented these different things that are kind of starting to come together and form something new. 
Um, and I thought it was just a perfect kind of way to simply uh, represent kind of the concept that we're going for. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, you are the, the designer here, but I think we kind of went forward with simpler is better as yeah, we start. Absolutely. Like, let's not try to add in a bunch of complexity right away. Let's strip out all of the complexity uh, and just go with the core simplest form of everything we can possibly do so that it can look good. Yep. Simple things typically look good. Yeah. Um, and it can also really perform well. And we'll add complexity as needed over time. Yeah, I mean, especially just like starting to learn Webflow for the first time. And um, I, in general, really like like simplistic flat design. Um, and it was just like, what is the path of least resistance to building something that looks great, but is easy and then perfectly conveys kind of the brand and the aesthetic and the um, kind of emotional um, connection that we want to create with our listeners? Yeah, I think that's that approach is part of the reason we're sitting here on day six with a website that's live yep. and ready to start being fed with content. Right. Um, so that has been a really impressive experience. And I, I tweeted about this the other day. Uh, I typically tweet when I'm really angry or when I'm really <laughs> happy. And <laughs> uh, this was a happy tweet. And I was like, I've never developed a site ever in my life so quickly um, using Webflow and, and using Surge's design and Figma. Um, two people, essentially 12 hours over three days, yeah. four hours a day, um, and not intense hours, like four pleasurable hours a day, yeah, uh, pulling this thing together. Definitely. Um, and I think we're in a pretty amazing spot. Yeah. Six days of, of work. I, I don't mean to toot our own horns, but I'm very impressed with uh, how quickly we have been able to pull it together. Um, and honestly, I think it's just a testament in general to just uh, technology and how like the barriers to entry are so low these days, right? On everything. Um, it's so much easier to start a company, right? Everyone always talks about, you know, to start a startup in the nineties, you had to literally be like spinning up your own servers. Yeah. Right. And then like with AWS, it's like, now you have an unlimited, um, it's like, that's just like table stakes and you have just like unlimited capacity to server farms. Um, and just like the, I think with podcasting, right. Just the ability with the roadcaster, how easy it's been to kind of connect the different, um, all the pieces together, plug it into software, really easy to do some post editing. Um, and then just kind of with these distribution websites too, just being able to get it out and get it onto so many platforms, um, with so little effort. I think it's just, uh, really remarkable with, uh, what kind of platforms every person with literally just an iPhone, um, can kind of get. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's so true. And I mean, even thinking about other startup -y kind of things like building a web app yeah requires a developer if you're not a developer and are uh, at least proficient enough with programming that you could hope to do it yourself um, or at least hack together something yourself you actually have to pay for that aws time or that google cloud time whoever you're using um and if you screw up and you're not good at building efficient code, you might have a longer runtime than you thought for a process you were running. You might have done it in a way that was five times more resource intensive than you thought. And um, that can get expensive. It's yeah. super cheap compared to like making that initial capital investment yourself, but it can still get expensive. The overhead in podcasting, I think if you spend and have $1,500 that you can just dump into this right off the bat you have essentially joe rogan set up yeah uh minus like 
all of the extras that he does, like right. video and right, you know, right, like right. what makes the Joe Rogan experience. Well, but, like his studio, more or less, like but, the physical space itself, yeah, even or but whatever. But in yeah. terms of the audio equipment, he's yep. using fifteen hundred bucks. You are Joe Rogan. Yeah, exactly. That's the overhead. It, it never increases. This equipment will last you a decade more. Yeah. So longer. you just go and I yeah. So I think that's a great point. Podcasting is like so democratized, and this stuff is so excessive too. Mm-hmm. You don't need this. Go on voice memos right. on your phone and start recording in a quiet room. Right. And you're good to go. You can podcast. Yeah. And I mean, that's why the market's also becoming so saturated. And that's why, like, you know, us two coming into this, we're just continuing to saturate the market. Right. I mean, everyone can kind of really easily launch a podcast and a lot of people do. Um, and there's just it's it has a lot of really good benefits. Um, but then I think it also just maybe finds uh, makes finding good content harder as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's transition to some of the key learnings that we've had um, over these last two weeks. So I'll jump in right away yeah, and say I think um, coming off of what we just said 30 seconds ago, simplicity. Yep. If you're starting a podcast, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S. Just keep it simple to start. Um, that might mean not doing what we did and buying all of this equipment right away. Just start getting ideas down on paper um, and keep everything in its simplest form possible and you'll make progress faster. And the second you start making progress, the second that you start putting little wins on the board and those wins start compounding, you'll feel the real confidence in the wind at your back to want to keep pushing forward. So that would be my first learning. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly like the best learning from even starting a startup is uh, lean, lean startups, right? Just like get something out there ideate on it it should be like a minimum viable product and it gets better over time um and just like always go with the path of least resistance whatever you can do to get that small win like you just said i think Mm -hmm. is such a great point um and i think that that's all you really need to do is just think simple think just content right what do i kind of want to talk about what do i think is interesting um and like when jay was talking about it when at the start of this he was really hammering us being like we have to have everything like buttoned up. We have to figure out our niche. We have to figure out exactly how we're going to talk about things. We have to script our episodes and all this. And I was like, no, like, I don't know if this is necessarily the best advice for everybody, but, um, if you really do have interesting things to talk about and kind of have that, um, that other partner to kind of just bounce these things off of where it does become so natural, I would actually suggest against it and just kind of like see where things go. And if anything, edit it in post, um, and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Key learning number two, Always hit record. Yes. <laughs> I was pausing, hoping you would, you would just go there. Um, you want to tell us why, how we learned that one? Um, we've actually done it several times in different ways. Um, now we recorded one full 20 minute episode. Um, and literally I go to like hit pause at the very end to stop recording and I just look to Jay and I'm like, it never started recording. And we're like, oh my God. Um, and then the other one too. So like, honestly, that one, I just, you got to hit record and just make sure that that's like a key part of your checklist. And I think honestly, creating a checklist of like, what is it yeah. that you need to go through and uh, like, what are the sound checks that you need to do once you start recording? Um, there's things that you need to do pre-recording. Um, but then once you do record, right. Um, we also made the mistake of not necessarily recording every single track, right? So there are, 
uh, these nine different tracks when you're recording with the roadcaster. Um, and we've recorded some and then forgot to record a mic. So luckily with like the mix, the, like the, uh, final mix, we still get that audio, but then you can't, um, break out that mic track on its own. Um, and it makes post-production a lot more difficult. Yeah. I mean, I, I view this like you're a pilot. You sit down in your studio. Yep. You're now in the cockpit. Pilots have checklists. They will never take off before they've gone through their entire pre-flight checklist yep. and make sure they've checked every single box. And so as Serge was just saying, we now have our podcasting checklist and we know all of the different things that we need to do every single time before we start talking into these mics uh, to make sure we're actually going to get off the ground right. And I think this is so important because when you're starting out, the risk is relatively low. That 20-minute episode we lost was just you and my time. And yeah, it really sucked. And yeah, we were like, fuck, I wish I had that content. But at the end of the day, it's only going to affect you and me. The risk wasn't that high. Later on, when you're asking people, and, and hopefully, you know, if you have interesting guests, kind of higher-profile people whose time is worth a lot, right? to go back to them when they're expecting this episode and all of this great insight they just gave you to go live and say, I'm so sorry, I forgot to hit record. Are you willing to record another episode? You just, you can't do that. Yeah. The risks become higher the longer you do it. And so you got to start getting into the habit of doing things right, right away. Um, and so that was definitely one of the key learnings. Like what are the, what are the non-negotiable first steps we need to do every time we sit down in these chairs? Yeah. And a key part of that is kind of, um, feel comfortable recording things that you don't want to save, right? So right when you start, we would uh, like kind of do all of our pre-checks and then we would like hit record and we would dive right in, right? At the start of the recording. And what we kind of learned is actually instead like hit record and then um, actually do the mic checks, right? So mic check one, two, Jay does a mic check on his, right? We kind of play a little bit of sound effects. We make sure that all the audio tracks are correctly recording on the, um, on logic. And then at that point we reset, um, we don't stop recording. We continue the recording and we just jump in and start kicking it off. And then we delete out that initial, um, flow, uh, and all those mic checks once, uh, we are in post. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crucial, critical. You have to do it. Yep. All right. Absolutely. What else? What else have we learned? Um, I feel like those were like the two burning ones that I had. Yeah, definitely. I think that the other thing that's been really useful for us is the use of Notion. Um, so we've been kind of doing all of our episode planning and ideation there, um, kind of figuring out what are the topics that we want to discuss. Um, and I think a really useful process and also um, kind of just figuring out what we wanted to talk about was Jay and I just literally sat on like a Zoom together, like a 30 minute quiet time of just put down as many possible like episode concepts as you could possibly think of um, that you think would be interesting. And we just created this list of like 50 plus episodes that we think would be interesting. And then kind of reading through that, we really also started to get an understanding of like, what do we want to talk about and kind of what is our like theme. And um, I think don't force yourself. Like, I think this is something we've been talking a lot about with like Jay kind of starting being like, we need to figure out the niche. We need to figure all these things out. It's like, there's a lot of little exercises that I think we can do or that we did um, that kind of helped us on that journey without like forcing ourselves to figure that out. And they just kind of more naturally came. And when that happens, I think that the results are also um, a lot better. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more on that. 
Um, and yeah, and Notion has been really a great tool. And as Serge just said, I think we literally have over 50, no, 40 episodes. Um, but when you, not actual episodes, but 40 ideas yeah. that could turn into episodes. Uh, and I was just talking to a friend the other day and he's like, what are you guys going to talk about on your podcast? And I started reading these out. I couldn't even, I was like two minutes in and I'm like, I, I can't read anymore. These. <laughs> we have so many ideas down on yeah. paper. And I think that's really so important too, because you can also just be talking offline and say, what do you want to record next? Refer to this whole list of just this brain dump of ideas and say, ah, oh, you know what? I'm feeling kind of passionate about this one today. Yep. You think you could do that as well. Um, and that's kind of how we've just been recording to date. We're going through this list. Does this one feel right today? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Let's start to think a little bit further about how it'll come together. Yeah. We've done a little bit of like rough sketching of like some different things we want to talk about. But for the most part, it's just kind of like a free welding conversation. Um that we're going through live. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the last thing is Dropbox, right? So we need some way to kind of share these files back and forth. Um, all the design stuff has been in there as well. So um, big fans of Dropbox and uh, just personal, both post personal users, paid personal users um, and big fans of it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, you, you have to have some form of file storage. So we're both users of Dropbox. We're both using Dropbox right now. You could do this with Google Drive too or Microsoft, yeah. OneDrive, whatever the hell it's called now. Yep. Um, you know, any one of these cloud storage tools works. But the beauty of it is, um, you know, Surge is two towns away from me right now in Connecticut. Um, we typically will find a couple hours in the day where we can do a quick recording. So we come in, we go through our checklist, we sit down, we start to... Uh, do some sound checks and record and then search typically has to run right back at the door. The beauty of something like Dropbox is he can save down that recording, immediately start to put it on Dropbox. And by the time he's back sitting at his desk, 10 minutes later, the uh, podcast is uploaded and I can immediately start to review it. And now we can work asynchronously. We can do whatever we want with that audio. We can think about um, you know show notes. We can think about what's going to happen next. One of us can start editing in post. Um, so having just like cloud storage and a central repository where you both can pull from is key to be able to just keep things moving forward, especially in this crazy kind of remote distributed world we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, I've been shocked with how fast actually Dropbox uploading has been. Um, I've never really like when I use these, usually these cloud drives, um, I have them kind of plugged into Finder um, and I never really noticed it. But with uh, Dropbox in this instance, I've been using just like the web upload function. And I mean, I uploaded a 45 minute uh, podcast in under a minute. It's um, amazing. It's and amazing. that's not with like Verizon Fios, like 300 megs upload speeds. That's just basic like cable internet speeds with like, you know, 20 megabyte uploads. I mean, that might be worth doing a future, future episode on too, because um, Dropbox was an early... Uh, entrant into this kind of cloud storage uh, world. Uh, I think they were even before G Suite and Google Drive was really like a big thing. Um, and they have a different methodology for how they sync files, which is part of the reason why it's so fast, especially on updates, not necessarily as fast on uh, net new uploads. But Dropbox is super impressive. And I think we can save that for the episode where we talk about companies that inspire us. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, what's next? So I've got two things listed here. Um, the first is finding a podcast platform. We don't have one of those yet. So we're recording the audio, we're editing the audio in post and, you know, logic pro X. 
we don't yet have an actual audio host. So an anchor or a Podbean or the likes of those kind of companies. Um, so we still have to do that. I mean, we still actually just need to like research and even get our, our feet underneath us on that one. Yep. Um, and the second is we're fortunate to kind of be two towns away right now, but Surge is going to be returning back to either New York City um, or um, Long Island soon. So he's going to be distributed. I'm going to be staying up here in Connecticut. Um, but I've, I bounce between two different places in Connecticut right now as well. Um, and so we're not always going to have the great fortune of kind of sitting across from each other to record these. Yep. So we've got to figure out two things. The actual recording. How is, is he going to have a roadcaster and his mic in one location? And how am I going to have mine in another and actually get the audio to work? And then the second is how do we actually replicate the experience of sitting across from each other that makes the conversation so natural? Right. Um, and so I think those are kind of two challenges um, and two immediate things we kind of need to figure out in the next two weeks as we think about next steps. Yeah, I think the distributed recording is just going to be a little bit of a learning curve, and I'm really interested to kind of uh, see how that goes. And then um, for distribution, um, we just definitely uh, kind of need to spend a little time um, getting it set up um, and get our stuff out there. Totally, man. Totally. And I think that's probably where we're at in terms of week one. I mean, there's obviously a lot of other ambitions. So um, we talked about social media. We need to get social channels up. Uh, we've got to definitely do like a V2 version of our website. Um, more audio effects kind of getting pushed into uh, what we're doing. We've obviously got to get a lot better with what we do in post. So there's a lot that you can do in any of these different softwares. And search is actually already like correcting audio curves and, and crazy stuff like that. So um, there's a lot, a lot to learn. And I think one ambition too that's further down the road is incorporating some sort of video as well. Definitely. Um, so those are things that we need to figure out. Yeah, I think that um, I'm really excited about this little like how to start a podcast series too. And um, I think it's great that we're doing it like so early because we're literally just a couple of days into this at this point. Um, and all of these learnings are so raw. And I think that um, as we kind of continue to do a couple more episodes on these, um, our learning is just going to be so uh, much better. And I think um, I'm really interested to see the progression uh, as we kind of go through that. Totally. And that's the whole point. We want you guys to learn what we're learning right. as we learn it. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, like the gap between when we've learned something and when we're talking about it in this series is probably going to be like maybe five days max. Yeah. Um, so we will continue to kind of check in on a regular basis. Um, and so you'll be able to kind of hear how our actual episodes, like the core content is evolving. And you'll hear how all of that's evolving in this mini series as well. So I'm super excited about that as well. Definitely. All right. So why don't we end on why we're so excited to continue after one week and like what's inspiring us to keep going forward. I think for me, it's just been kind of what I mentioned earlier where uh, you and I've really been having these conversations for the entirety of our friendship, which is I think going on over 13 years at this point. Um, probably since 2007, 2007. Right? Yeah. September, yeah. 2007, we met each yeah. other. So, um, Literally, for first day of freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, we've kind of Crazy. known each other since, and we've been having these conversations um, the entire time. So just the since. first dude outside of my brother I knew with an iPhone. This is like right when the iPhone dropped, spending like whatever it was, $800 on a phone after tax was like absurdity. Like people would slap you in the face. And 
it was like the hottest item and I was such a fucking like geek freak, but I was too young uh, to have an iPhone and my brother had gotten one and Serge was the only other person I had ever met that had an iPhone. And so we were first day of like orientation freshman year. And I think that was actually the first thing that probably caught my eye. I was like, that kid has an iPhone. <laughs> we've been friends ever since. Yeah. Like literally, um, I got the iPhone in like it came out in June. I got it in July. We met in September. Um, and I literally was so early in buying an iPhone actually that um, it was still at the full, I guess, seven or $800 price or yeah. whatever it was. It's, I think it was 800 maybe. Um, and then they dropped the price re- like a couple weeks later. Um, you get a rebate? And I got a $100 yeah. Apple gift card um, <laughs> for being such an early purchaser of the original iPhone, um, which I still have actually. Um, it's sitting in a drawer at home. But uh, that's kind of like we've just been having these conversations naturally like for the entirety of our friendship and um, I'm just really excited to kind of um, put it into this more formal setting um, and also get that content out and kind of bring our listeners along with us um, that kind of should enjoy these conversations too as well. Totally, totally. I, I couldn't agree more on that. And, you know, I think another thing for me too is how quickly we've been able to put wins on the board. Um, over these 13 years, there's been a lot of things that we've like wanted to do and we know that we've been able to do. Um, and we've never actually been able to put pen to paper and do them. Right. Um, and so I think this one in particular, and actually I think kind of COVID-19 given us an opportunity Definitely. in a way. I don't know if we'd be doing this if we were back in New York, just yeah, kind of think so. continuing in our busy lives. Um, an opportunity to, to sit back, have some time, be in the same location and say, what's something that we'd really want to do and then actually follow through and execute on it. Yeah. And I think how quickly we've been able to execute on things and, uh, I actually think this is really exciting, too, because it shows how much we've evolved as people since we first met. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have had kind of different career trajectories and have done different things, but have complementary skills. And um, we're able to flex a lot of what we've just learned in general as we throw something together like this. Um, so design thinking, methodologies on actually how to get an operating framework running. Um, like I think these are things that we I don't even know if we've realized that we've been taking advantage of these things. They just come seamlessly now. But um, I think it's really impressive just to kind of see how quickly we can spin something up and put wins on the board, given how far we've come in life thus far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is awesome. I can't wait for um, the future podcasts and also the continuation of this series to um, bring all of you guys along with us on this journey and uh, really kind of take the learnings that we're bringing or that we're there that we're getting um, and kind of give you those as well. Awesome. All right. I think that was a great first episode of this little mini series and we'll be checking back in with everyone in probably a week or two. Yeah. Uh, depending on how things pan out. Perfect. See you guys then. See you then.